as we come around the word, I, I just wanted to, um, to kind of give it a name, this title of my message this morning. And if I was going to give it a title, it would be called The Nameless Mother. And um, I'm going to be reading from Exodus chapter 2, verse 1, and I'm going to read a big chunk because um, I really love this story and I really think that there's a lot of key things, there's gold in this story if we'll just focus on it. And, and it starts in verse 1 and it says, And a man of the house of Levi went and took as a wife a daughter of Levi. So the woman conceived and bore a son. And when she saw that he was a beautiful child, she hid him three months. But when she could no longer hide him, she took an ark of bulrushes for him, daubed it with asphalt and pitch, but the child, and put the child in it and laid it in the reeds by the river's bank. And his sister stood afar off to know what would be done to him. Then the daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe at the river and her maidens walked along the riverside. And when she saw the ark among the reeds, she sent her maid to get it. And when she opened it, she saw the child and behold, the baby wept. So she had compassion on him and said, this is one of the Hebrews' children. Then his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, shall I go and call a nurse for you from the Hebrew women that she may nurse the child for you? And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, go. So the maiden went and called the child's mother. Then Pharaoh's daughter said to her, take this child away and nurse him for me and I will give you your wages. So the woman took the child and nursed him and the child grew and she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter and he became her son. So she called his name Moses saying, because I drew him out of the water. What a beautiful story. And, and it's a beautiful story, and it's, it's not just in Exodus that this story uh, is portrayed. But in this particular text of, chap of chapter 2, if you notice the text that no one has a name, so it says a certain woman from the house of Levi and a certain man, and then a daughter, and it talks about a mother, and it talks about Pharaoh's daughter, so nobody has a name. But later on in the Bible, the name of, of the child's mother is identified, the name of the sisters identified, the name of the fathers identified. But Pharaoh's, Pharaoh's daughter is just called Pharaoh's daughter, unidentified. Moses is the only one identified because Moses is the most important thing in that text. Not he himself, but what God has appointed him for is the most important thing in that text. So I want to look at these women in their very important roles in the salvation of a nation and how we have to look at the bigger picture at times in our own lives and in what God is trying to do on the earth. And Moses' birth mother, she knew that the child was special, so she hid the child. So she disobeyed the law. She risked her own life. She risked the life of her other children, her family, because she loved this child and she knew that there was something in this child that he had a divine purpose. She was prepared to sacrifice her motherhood to save the child. She cared more about the destiny and the future of that child than she cared about her own self as she let him go. She knew that she might lose him as a son and she would lose him as a son, but it was more important for her, for that child to live and to fulfill that destiny, even though she wasn't even clear on what it was. She was going by that inkling, that mother's heart, that this child is very special. She already had two children, even though when we read that, it might, we might think that, you know, the way it's, it's portrayed that, yes, he, you know, she got married and she had a son, that he was the first son, but he was not the first son. But she knew there was something special about this child. 
And she wanted to propel him into his destiny, even though he would be nurtured by another woman. And that's a mother's heart. That is a beautiful mother's heart. And Moses' big sister, who was told to go and, and just stand and watch, what an amazing child. She would have been, some texts say 10, some say 15. She was there watching her brother to see what would happen to him. That was her assignment. You go and you watch your brother. Actually, a 10-year-old child watching a tiny baby. What a mother's heart. I know my daughter Brittany is like that. Even from a very young age, she has a mother's heart. This young girl who would have loved having her baby brother, who would have been excited when mum was having a baby. You know how girls are when, when they're a little bit older and, and mum has a baby in the house and all this excitement. And then the baby's born. And then to have to give that baby and put, you know, give him up and put him on that water, not knowing what would happen to him. You know, watching, waiting and protecting. And because of her, Moses was able to be fed and nurtured through, from his mother to be actually fed for those three or four years by his own mother because of this amazing child. Imagine her thinking at the age of 10 or 15 to go up to the princess and say to her, would you like me to find a Hebrew woman? What an amazing child to do that. She's thinking of how to feed that child. She's being prepared for what would happen as she grew up. How's this baby going to eat? What an amazing child, this nameless young girl in this text. And then Pharaoh's daughter, this is the nameless mother. This is the mother that did not conceive, maybe could not conceive. I tried to find a little bit of information about her and it says that her husband had died when, when he was younger and they never had children. And yet she sees this basket. She's a queen and she's watching as she's coming in this queen, coming in to bathe in the River Nile. And she's royalty. She's an heir. She has... She has people around her subject to her that she can do whatever she likes yet she has these maidens and she says to them go and see what's in that basket bring it to me she notices she notices something that God puts on her heart she's a pagan she's an idolater she's an offspring of the man that causes so much pain he's causing so much pain to the Hebrews the man that is wanting to kill all the Hebrew boys as they're being born. He even sent out midwives and said, go and kill them as they're being born. And even the midwives could not do it because of their mother's heart. And yet this is the daughter of this king. And she's just waiting and watching and telling her, her maidens, bring this, bring this thing to me, bring this thing. Let's see what's in this thing. And it's a great reminder of, of the women out there that invest in the lives of other children. It's a great reminder that often people that are looking after children actually didn't give birth to them but they have a mother's heart and it says she drew Moses out of the place of the water she drew him out she drew him out of the place that was going to cause his death she drew him out he was on a destiny for death if, it, if her father's will had happened but she she interceded she caught him right there and she brought him in God uses this nameless woman to play such a key role in the destiny of Israel, not just in the destiny of Moses, but in the destiny of this nation. And I want to remind us today of the aunties, the teachers, you know, the, the foster parents, the adoptive parents, all these people that look after children that are not their own because of a mother's heart. And today I just want to say you are invaluable 
and we celebrate you this morning. And there are so many of these women in our community that we don't even know, nameless women, nameless Pharaoh's daughters. They are nameless. I, I tried to look for some in, in, you know, on the internet and see what women are out there that have done great things that I don't know their name. And there's one particular woman called Irene Sendler who saved two and a half thousand Jewish children during the war. I'd never heard her name. You know, there was one called Kathy Headley who began an organisation called Mothers Without Borders to help children in orphanages all around the world. She started in Romania and expanded all over the world. I didn't know her name, but she has a mother's heart. She has a mother's heart. There's an incredible woman in Australia by the name of Moira Kelly. You may have seen a, a couple of documentaries about the children she has brought from overseas, particularly recently this young little girl with huge feet and she brought her from some other nation trying to restore her life and, and, and care for her. She hadn't delivered her, that wasn't her birth child, but she has a mother's heart. And I think God is calling us all to be like that. Because God is a father, but he does have a mother's heart. And this particular woman, Moira, says, the greatest act of kindness changes generations. Wherever there is the greatest evil, the greatest good can be achieved. And that was the same for this Pharaoh's daughter. There was such great evil in the day. There was great evil what was happening to these Hebrew baby boys. And she made such a huge difference. Verse 6 said, And when she opened it, she saw the child, and behold, the baby wept. She heard the cry. So she had compassion on him, and she said, This is one of the Hebrew children. She knew exactly who he was. She knew exactly who he was. She knew this infant was her father's enemy. He was her father's target. He was a slave of Egypt. But the mother's heart within her was moved and she went against all social traditions. She went against all racism. She put all that aside and she did not accept criticism. I'm sure the maidens rolled their eyes and thought, what is her father going to say? But she did not care. She did not care. She took this child into her heart and she could not conceive, but she was part of the journey of Moses' destiny. She played the, one of the most important roles in his life. And when I look around at this church and I look around at all the people that might be unseen, the people behind the scenes, the people in the hospitality doing that, the people behind the stage, the people in the deacon's room, all building another dream, someone else's dream. They're all building this dream of this house and this church. And this morning we salute you because you are like a mother that has not conceived but is bearing someone else's child. It's very beautiful. And Pharaoh's daughter was preparing him every single day for his destiny. She was teaching him to write and read. She was preparing him to write the Old Testament. For 40 years, Moses was cared for and educated in her home. He had all the privileges of a son. Whatever belonged to her belonged to him. Whatever she was going to inherit, she was going to give to him. She brought him right into her life. He was raised in, in wealth, in prestige, in luxury, in a royal palace. He was taught to speak, read, write the Egyptian language correctly. And that is something he would have never learned if he had stayed with his natural parents. And God knew what had to be done with Moses. His education would have included literature, arithmetic, geometry, astrology. I don't know, but I know that in those days, Egypt was right up there in the education 
And God knew what he was preparing. God knew what he was doing. And this nameless mother was happy to open her heart to this child of her father's enemy. And Moses acquired all the knowledge of Egypt, the Egyptian law, the Egyptian religion, everything he knew. And then the education that this princess gave him, this adopted son, she paid for all his education and everything. And she put him in her heart and she shaped the future of Israel. She shaped the future of Israel because he had to be prepared to be a leader. He had to be prepared to be in government. He had to be prepared to be a judge. And God did all of that through this one woman. Theron Brown reminds us, and he says this, the Hebrew nation, the whole world, proud of the sublime man Moses came to be, is indebted to her for his life, his education, and his name. She alone stood effectually between him and death, the tomb and the fillet of this interesting woman have not been found. If ever her unperished form is brought to light, clad in the enduring cerements that wrap the dead of her kingly family, we shall know her name. But it would be dearer to know that her living soul dwells not far from the son she adopted and loved, the grandest man of sacred history, who but for, for her would never have been. That's this nameless woman. Acts 7.22 says, And Moses was learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was mighty in words and deeds. And he was all those things because of her. He was all those things because of this nameless woman. But having said all of that, after Moses learned everything he needed to learn, after he achieved everything he needed to achieve under her care, it was time for him to move on. And I just want to talk about sentiment. Sometimes as mums and as a carers, we can be quite sentimental. I'm a very sentimental person. I struggled to sell our first house because I had recorded the height of my children on one of the walls. I wanted to take the whole wall with me, but I couldn't do that. But, you know, there are times in our life and in Moses' life where our world gets turned upside down. And we may not understand why, we may, not, we may struggle through that time when there's a shift. And for Moses, there was a huge shift. He had to be moved from that place to another place because that was just on the way in the journey of his destiny. And she played an important part, but he could not stay there because had he have stayed in that place, he could not have saved Israel. He could not have led the people of Israel out of slavery. And he understood that. He really understood that. In Hebrews 11.24, it says, By faith Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. And there it is again, the nameless mother. He refused to be called her daughter, not because he didn't love her, but his faith had to say, oh, my faith is in God. I have to follow what God has put in my life. My faith is in God. I'm not gonna be sentimental and stay where I was and stay where it's comfortable and stay where I'm well fed and stay where I'm gonna get everything I need. And it's easy, it's an easy life where I'm in luxury and I've got everybody serving me. No, I'm gonna step out and I have to serve others now. I have to step out of that place. I have to come out of that that palace and I have to start walking in the wilderness. I have to start finding the rest of my destiny. And we can't be sentimental. We can't be sentimental on the giving end and we can't be sentimental on the receiving end. We cannot be sentimental. We have to be focused on the bigger picture of what God is doing in our lives and in the lives of others. Even Jesus knew that. Even Jesus knew that. He's given us 
you know, seasons in our life of friends, seasons of where we live, seasons of what we do, of occupation, of all different seasons. And one thing is preparing us for the next. And Jesus knew that. There was a time when he's, he was preaching and it says the multitudes were around him and he was speaking and he was teaching and preaching. And his mother and his brothers were outside and, and the people were saying, your mother and your brother are here. You know, aren't, aren't you gonna stop and run to them? And he said, who are my mother and my brother? What he was saying is, who are my mother and my brothers? What he was saying is, that's where I came from. But you now, where I am now is my mother and my brothers. I've gone from that 33 years being prepared by my parents. I love my parents. I love my mum. But it's time for me to do what God's called me to do. He was not dishonouring his mother. He was not dishonouring her. He was trying to tell people that that was preparation. And now I'm walking in my destiny. I'm now walking in my destiny. And we all need to walk in our destiny. And we need to allow other people in our lives walk in their destiny. We need to allow others. You know, his mother was looking for him, but he knew. And even Moses knew he had to go from slavery to redemption. We're all going from slavery to redemption. And call it, Jesus called us from slavery to redemption. Moses called his people from slavery to redemption. If he did not make that move, if he did not go to that place, everybody would have been in slavery. And we need to remember that when we're dealing with other people. And it's hard not to be sentimental. It's really hard not to be sentimental. And the purpose of God is more important than the sentiment of man. The purpose of God is more important than the sentiment of man. And I'll tell you a little story in my own life. I've been a Christian um, probably about 30 years. I don't know, I stopped counting because it's just getting too, too much to talk in those terms. <laughs> but in, in, my, in the beginning of my walk, we used to go to a different church many, many years ago and my kids were very little. And, and then I, I kind of made a friend with this beautiful woman and her kids were little too. And we really got on well and I really felt God drawing me to her and our families became really close. So I raised her kids, she raised my kids. You know, our kids would take baths together. I would feed them, they, you know, they would come over all the time. Her kids were like, I loved her kids like my very own. Their birthdays, their Christmas, everything we did together. They were my kids. And I always thought that they would actually marry, intermarry, but that, you know, that's gone now, but no sentiment. So, you know, as the kids grew up and as, as we grew up, what she put into my life was really important. She gave me the confidence to serve God in the church, in the little things. You know, God used her to help me get enough confidence to be on a team, to get enough confidence to do stuff. And God used her in a mighty way. But the day came that God said, okay, no more. There, a day came and I found it difficult to detach because of sentiment. I, did, I, I just felt like, no, I, I've got to be faithful to her. I've got to, you know, and God said, no, you've got to be faithful to me. And I had to let go. And what pained me more than the friendship, losing the friendship, was actually not being in the life of the children. And now after many, many years, her destiny was so far away from where I am right now and where my family is right now. And I realise even now in hindsight why God did what he did, that he needed her for that season in my life. But a time had to come when I had to choose God. I'm going to do what you tell me to do. I'm not going to be sentimental. I'm not going to live in the has been, but I'm going to look forward to what it is you want me to do. What is my destiny? Where are you leading me? And, and so now I, I look at her family and I pray for them all the time, but I know that I'm exactly where I need to be and my destiny is to be doing what God has called me to do. 
So as we come to a close, let's be reminded that, you know, a lot has been invested in us and, and that we need to fulfill what God's called us to do. And there are times when we will be investing in other people and we need to let people go. Just as Pharaoh's daughter, the nameless mother, had to let her son go and let him go and, and fulfill his destiny. We don't know what happened to her, whether she stayed or she went with him. We don't know anything, but you know, God knows the name of every nameless mother. God knows the name of Pharaoh's daughter. God knows your name. You mum that are behind the scenes doing just the basic everyday things, looking after your children, God knows your name. Because there's something in this society that likes to break people down. And I remember there were times when if you were working, they'd say, oh, she's left her children to go to work. And if you didn't work, oh, she's so lazy. She's home with the kids doing nothing. So, you, you know, we have to actually do what God's called us to do and put all that stuff behind us. And for the nameless mums, I just want to say God knows your name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, guys. So.